Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Gals, welcome to Film Attack, a series of short 15 to 20 minute podcast episodes that's dedicated to new films either released in theaters or via PVOD. For the first episode, I'll be reviewing The Little Things, which was released this past Friday. It's also worth mentioning that these episodes won't be following the traditional film effect format. They'll be straightforward reviews. But if the movie's good enough, then I'll probably cover it in the months ahead on the Main Film Effect podcast. I'll also be keeping these smaller reviews spoiler-free and to the point for everyone. With that being said, this is my Film Attack review for The Little Things. You knew him, didn't you? Then you had that one little feeling. But you waved it away. You should have listened to that one little feeling. Just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend you got. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still gotta catch him, right? Yeah. Okay. Not that much has changed then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. Guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. You must really like my car. I do. How's the truck space? Something I gotta know. How's a guy with the best clearance rate in the department work 15 years without a promotion? Maybe I didn't go to the right church. When I look in your eyes, what I see? It ain't good. He knew all the details, but he wasn't within 10 miles of the killing. Why is that? Why is that? How's the trunk space? What do you want? I want to nail the bastard. For who? For all of the girls he killed. I want to nail the bastard too. Difference is, I'm doing it for me. It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that rip you apart. It's the little things that... get you caught. So The Little Things is Warner Brothers' latest theatrical HBO Max simultaneous release after last month's successful Wonder Woman 1984 release run, which just wrapped its 30-day HBO Max window prior to this release. The movie stars Denzel Washington in his first performance in three years since 2018's The Equalizer 2. He plays a former sheriff's detective named Joe Deacon, who is now a local deputy, haunted by a tragic event that took place sometime prior to the main story, 
which is also set in 1990. When he's sent to his former department to collect evidence pertaining to a recent murder, Joe gets invited to join the new young lead detective on a call to the scene of a new murder. This new young detective is played by a Rami Malek in a role that should hold his fans over until the new James Bond film No Time to Die is eventually released. When Deacon notices similarities between the murder cases, he decides to take matters into his own hands and stick around to help Malik's Jim Baxter solve the case. When Jared Leto's Albert Sparma enters the film, he immediately becomes public enemy number one to Deacon and Baxter as they push through this case in order to stop the murders. So before I get into the thick of this review, I want to talk about the performances first. While it's not his best performance, it's still nice seeing Denzel back to basics with another role where he's able to show off his dramatic side again. Joining him for the show is Jared Leto, who seems to be very comfortable pulling off this awkward showcase. Not only does he seem very at home in the role of the movie's main suspect, but he also nails the look, which is extremely skinny and dark. We don't see him show up until over an hour into the film, but once he shows up, then the movie becomes an acting clinic being run by Denzel and Leto together. We also see Chris Bauer and Terry Kenny making minor supporting appearances. To be honest, I kind of expected more scenes of these men, but I'll take what I can obviously get. It's good seeing them get some work, but the focus is more on Denzel's Deacon as it is on Leto's Sparma. I wish I could say Malik's performance was one to be remembered, but unfortunately, I feel his role was terribly miscast. All he really does is make awkward looks, and he speaks with a very deep and monotone voice that makes me wonder if he even cared enough about his role, or if he was just collecting a paycheck to hold him over until his big bond payday. He looks very bored each time he's on screen, unfortunately. The direction is done by John Lee Hancock, the director of family-friendly films such as The Rookie, The Blind Side, and the more recent Saving Mr. Banks. Here, he's crafted a very straightforward drama that's primarily set at night, showcasing the darker, grittier side of Los Angeles in 1990. It's not really a film that requires a lot of gimmicks or slick camera tricks. It's not that type of film one bit. Although, I do want to point out a particular scene at the at the end of the film that features a very effective pullback shot that reveals something that honestly made me go, oh wow, I really like that. There aren't a lot of those moments going for this movie, but I still appreciate the little things such as that. Uh Uh-huh. Hancock also wrote the screenplay for the film, which is one of the film's stronger suits in my opinion. The ending left me satisfied. It's not a perfect ending, but at least it ends satisfyingly. I'd change a certain scene at the very end, but other than that, I think people are going to end up at least happy knowing that it had a complete ending. Talking about the overall experience, it was fine. If you're in the mood for something more of the same, but with a couple powerhouse performances, then this is your film. It's not something you're going to come out saying, wow, that was something different, because it's certainly not that kind of movie. I will say, however that Jared Leto absolutely earned his newly announced Best Supporting Actor Golden Globe nomination. I'm kind of puzzled as to why Denzel didn't get a nomination himself because I personally felt his delivery was up there with Leto's. But, you know, it, it is what it is, right? 
I did like the way Hancock tells the story of the past by having characters actually seeing that silent dead in front of them. That was a nice little touch to the storytelling. Uh, personally, I found the research on this film more exciting than the film itself. I say that because the film has been in the works since 1993 when John Lee Hancock wrote the first screenplay uh, for Steven Spielberg, of all people, to direct. But unfortunately, Spielberg passed on the project because Hancock's screenplay was just too dark. And for the record, this was the same year Spielberg would release Schindler's List. Over the years, the script was bounced around from a number of directors, including Warren Beatty, Danny DeVito, and Clint Eastwood, before Hancock would eventually take on the thing himself. By March 2019, he got Denzel to sign the dotted line along with the rest of the cast throughout the year until September when production would finally begin. I should also mention the film was scored by Thomas Newman, who normally composes some wonderful music for such films as The Shawshank Redemption, a personal favorite of mine, The Green Mile, Wally, and the more recent 1917. To say his score was underwhelming would be an understatement because I didn't find it memorable at all and that is a damn shame. His music usually is one of the best parts of the movies but here it just came off as something I could never write home about. In the end, even though I was ultimately let down by the little things, I still found areas that were good such as the performances and a couple of decisions Hancock made with the direction of the movie. When you weigh that with the bad aspects of the film, like the dull pacing, the abundance of cliches, and more of the same, you get an average film that you can wait for a weekend Redbox rental, or if you have HBO Max, then I'd say it's at least worth a watch. You really don't have much to lose in that department. Speaking of HBO Max, as I mentioned at the start of this review, it'll be on the platform for 30 days after its release, since it was released on... Last Friday, actually, January 29th. It'll be on there through the last day of February. Um, I'm going with a 3 out of 5 rating uh, for the film as my final 5-star rating. Um, I was going back and forth between giving it a 2.5 and, and a 3, but when I really thought about it, those two performances I praised, especially Leto's, are worth me being comfortable with the 3-star rating I gave. All that being said, that'll wrap things up for this edition of Film Attack. Next week, I'll be back on the Film Effect Podcast, where I'll be breaking down and discussing 1982's Creep Show. It's an episode I've been wanting to do since last October's Halloween Horrorthon over on the Mad Dad Movie Review, and with the ultimate passing of Hal Holbrook this morning, I'm finally doing the damn thing. Uh, so that'll be available on Monday morning. There will also be a brand new episode of Mad Dad Movie Review on Tuesday as well. However, the film is still to be determined. If you're new to my podcast, welcome to the party, pal. Things just kicked off on Monday with my first ever Film Effect podcast, where I talked about true romance for almost 90 minutes. Each Monday morning will feature an all-new episode, so make sure you're subscribing to the show. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Film Effect Podcast and Instagram at instagram.com slash the Film Effect Podcast. If you really want to hit me up and talk, the email is the Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. Other than that, I hope everyone's taking care of one another, 
we're all in this together. One love, mask up, and until next time, this has been Film Attack. Take care, guys.